0: Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. So, so we're in uh, the, the portion of the Torah, which um, we're in the, in the middle of, which is honestly my favorite or one of my favorite relationships in the Bible. Uh, and that is the relationship between Yaakov and Esau, or in English, Jacob and Esau. And uh, it's one of my favorite relationships. It's very deep. Now the Torah portion this week is sort of in between their relationship. Last week they were born and they had a lot of trial together and a lot of contention as brothers. And next week they have a, a after 20 years of separation they have a bit of a reconciliation. Um, but so Jacob and Esau are fraternal twins. Uh, so they were both in the womb at the same time, and their poor mother. Rebecca had a quite a difficult pregnancy um, since the, the, the children, the babies, were fighting even in the womb. So how many moms have that experience of, of babies actually f- fighting in the womb? So there was a time that Poor Rebecca realized this and she went to her obstetrician and she said, doc, I think I have a problem. And he said, what's the problem? And she said, well, maybe the best way to describe this is to show it to you. So she pulled up her dress or whatever women wore at that time, togas? No, that's Greek, right? So she pulled it up, doctor took a look at the belly, and as he was looking, he saw the imprint of a fist. And he goes, whoa. And he looks again, then all of a sudden, Esau's face gets slammed into the belly. And he sees the imprint of Esau. And then a a hand goes and grabs Esau by his little hairs and pulls him back. And then he looks at the belly and he sees a knee. And then like, all of a sudden, it's Jacob's face. Ugh! And then a headlock. Wah! And he goes, whoa. Yeah, you don't just have two kids in there. You have two nations in there. And they're going to be fighting for their whole lives. And what were they battling about? Why was there a, a, a WWE professional wrestling match going on in the womb? What an odd thing. Well, you know, in, in, it, it, they were contending, I believe, for who was going to be born first. Because the blessing, at least according to the tradition, according to the knowledge, you know, of the way things were back then, most certainly according to the n- limited knowledge of the, our forefathers, our, our patriarchs, the firstborn gets the blessing. So they're duking it out for who's coming out first. Who's going to be? Are we going to be worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or is it going to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? And they're duking it out. They're pile driving and body slams and suplex and all this is happening within the womb. And now it's finally time for the birth. And they're still duking it out. And Jacob is going towards the birth canal. And he's, he's on his way. And there he is. There goes Jacob. He's right to the birth canal. Jacob's on his way to the birth canal. There he is. He's up by two lengths and he goes to the birth canal, and he, and, but then all of a sudden he gets grabbed by Esau in the womb and Esau pulls him back and Esau gives him a knee to the head and Jacob goes flying. And then Esau goes to the birth canal and he makes a big dive to the birth canal and then Jacob in one last effort runs and dives towards him, but Esau, he was on his way out and Jacob takes one last dive and he just was able to grab his heel and it was too late. Esau was the firstborn, and then Jacob was the secondborn, grabbing his heel. So it seems that it was going to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And I believe throughout the life of of Isaac, that's what he thought, because that's the way the the mindset was back then, but we realize very quickly that Adonai... Our father, he calls who he calls. And it's not necessarily about who we think it's going to be. Abraham had to learn that lesson with Ishmael and Isaac because Ishmael was the firstborn. And even later in that Torah portion, we see Abraham going, oh, but God, won't you bless Ishmael? I mean, can't you just bless Ishmael? And God says, no, he's not the one. He's not the child of promise. Him and his mom, they got to go, send them away. So now Esau is born of Isaac and and his wife, Rebecca. So they thought it was going to be him, right? He's the firstborn, but God does not. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care who's firstborn, who's secondborn. He's going to call whoever he calls to whatever he calls us to according to his perfect will. So now we have these two twin brothers, these fraternal twins. We have Jacob and we have Esau. And if you, if you read about them and you start to dig deeper into the Torah and you realize that Esau represents flesh and Jacob represents spirit because Jacob is the child of promise even though he wasn't the firstborn. In fact, the only one who knew that was mom, because the obstetrician said that the older will serve the younger. So, but, but Esau represented flesh, and we see that because of his lifestyle. First of all, he was like hairy. You know, they said he was a man of the field, he liked to hunt. And later on, like, he didn't even care. Like, because he was the first, because he was the firstborn, he had a specific holy divine role in the family. He was the firstborn. That gave him a level of responsibility, physical responsibility, and spiritual responsibility. But he gave it all up because he was hungry. So that is like the epitome of flesh. Like he gave up spiritual responsibility for food. So because of that, like, we see that he's like, he's the epitome of flesh. And Jacob is the child of promise. And I believe that when Paul in the New Testament speaks about the waging of the war within us of flesh and spirit, he is referencing what happened with Jacob and Esau in the womb. A real wrestling of flesh and spirit. So he represents flesh, and Jacob represents spirit. He represents the child of promise. And then we get to the end of the Torah portion. This is, by the way, last week's Torah portion, when it was time now for the blessing. And as I was reading this, please allow me to give you a little bit of gold that I dug up from the portion. Because when you read the portion, you could read it at surface level. But the Torah is limitless. You could dig and you dig. And the more you dig, the more gold you find. That is, the, that is the purpose of the Torah. This is the word, the only word of God that came directly from him, from heaven, through his voice on the mountain. It also happens to be the only part of the scripture that predominantly the church said this is done away with. And it really doesn't pertain to us any longer. When really it is the inheritance of all of God's people. And so if you look at it just as a rule of do's and don'ts, yeah, you're in big trouble. But when you look at it as your inheritance and of gold, that if you dig and seek, you will find gold, that it becomes alive. So it is yours, so partake of it. So I was reading it, and something struck me about where God gives the blessing. Because the blessing came. It was time for Jacob, the father, To to give the blessing. And there is reality in what had to happen for the blessing to be given to the child of promise. Now we know, even we heard last week with Rabbi Peter, there is amazing revelation in that, that Jacob had to put on the skins of his older brother. Because the father wants to bless the older brother. So Jacob the child of the promise, puts on the skins of the older brother. Who is our brother? Who is our brother? Yeshua is our brother. He's our older brother. He's the firstborn of all creation, it says. And he's our older brother. And so Jacob puts on the skins of the older brother. And the father goes, who are you? And he says, I'm the firstborn. And the father says, let me smell you. Let me smell if there is sacrifice on you. So the father goes to this one who is clothed in the skins of the older brother and goes, oh, that's you. That's him. I recognize the smell of sacrifice. And he, puts, he brings forth and he speaks blessing on the younger who put on the skins of the older And that's what we do with Messiah because our father, guess who gets the blessing? Yeshua always gets the blessing. So we put the skins on Yeshua. So so the father goes, I'm going to speak my blessing. Oh, hello, Yeshua. I see my son. I smell my son. And the one that had the skins over him is the one that actually gets the blessing. So amazing revelation in that, but I want to twist it. little bit today and I want to share some gold where I really believe the father's heart is when it comes to why he wants to bless us because thus all, all of us that have Mashiach within us are the child of promise you are the child of promise you are the child of promise but what happened with this child of promise? How did he wind up getting a blessing? He didn't just put on the skins of his older brother. Yes, we, we, we'll talk about that revelation, and we, and we did, and it's, it's amazing. He put on the skins of somebody who was sinful, of flesh, of somebody who seemingly, he's the bad guy in the story. He's the guy who kind of doesn't know the Lord. He was the one that married somebody outside of the line and the mother was like, "Yeah, this, is, this kid is really bugging me. Get him out. So why would Jacob put on the skins of somebody that is unholy? And God blessed that. He poured out his blessing when the child of promise put on the skins of somebody who was unrighteous. Hello, Yeshua, the one who knew no sin, but became sin, so we can be the righteousness of God. And the interesting thing is, why did Jacob have to do that? Back when, when Esau sold the birthright, he sold his ownership of being the firstborn. He gave it away. Jacob already had it now. He had the the paper of the sale, the proof of purchase, that Esau sold it for some food, for some grub. He had it. So why did they have to go through this whole deception thing? And mom knew it from birth that he was the guy. That Jacob was the guy. All they had to do when, when, when Isaac was ready to impart the blessing, all Jacob had to do was say, Nuh-uh. Here's the sale. He's the proof of purchase. He sold it. My brother Esau sold it. And mom would have said, Yep, he's right. But there's something I believe that is special to God when the child of promise puts on the skins of somebody who is un. Righteous, And then God pours out a blessing on that. Now why would we say, well, I don't want to put my, the skins of the unrighteous. I want to clothe myself in righteousness. Yes, absolutely. But what I am talking about is that Adonai's goal, his passion, is for righteousness to inject itself into unrighteousness. Because the light that has been put within you by Messiah who lives within you is meant to shine in darkness. Simple-minded are those who keep their lights under a bushel. Do you know that a congregation like this, a church like this, is a bushel? Because it already has light. But we are called to have that light shine to come and inject itself into places where there is no light. To, in a way, clothe ourselves and just embed ourselves in places where there is darkness. And this is the heart of God. Isaiah, you call that a fast? You're just going to fast? You know, when I say fast, not so fast. Because you may think I'm just calling a fast so you can be holy because you could do something. See, that's keeping this like according to the letter. Oh, it says to fast? Well, I'm going to fast. You know what God says a fast is give food to the hungry. What does that mean? I don't want to do that. It says that thou shalt not eat on Yom Kippur. God's saying, I know what it says, but the spirit of what I'm saying is, yeah, fine, you don't you want to eat, don't eat. Give your food to somebody who is hungry. That is true religion. That is true religion. The real Mishkan is not here. The real Mishkan is out there. Remember the Mishkan, where it originally was, the Mishkan is the tabernacle. The Mishkan is the Hebrew word for the tabernacle. Where was the Mishkan? It was in the wilderness. So you, your calling is to be in the wilderness and to be a light into, in a wilderness, in a dark experience because the darkness does not affect Yeshua. Yeshua lights up the darkness. This is why when a woman of blood, she came and reached Yeshua, you know, according to Torah, he becomes unclean. But he did not become unclean. Because darkness can't touch him. And it is the heart and passion of God for the child of promise. Not just to receive the blessing. I'm the child of the promise. But to embed, to clothe yourself in a way for, for, of, with people who don't yet know him. Do you know sometimes it is so hard, and you probably have, 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 have had this experience. Sometimes it's hard to talk to people about God. Because the things that are just so obvious to us sometimes aren't very obvious to other people. And you can talk to them. I remember this one man, a Jewish man, I was sharing Messiah with at one point. And he says, I got to tell you, I don't got no problem with Jesus. I just don't believe in God. You know, like, how do you, you, know, how do you, how do you break that? But I tell you this, the Savior lives in you and the closest thing that people in darkness may ever see the closest they will get to seeing the son of God is seeing you because he lives in you and when, if I'll tell you this if God is, it announces from heaven I am about to pour out blessing. I'm about to pour out blessing on my people. I'm going to the gay pride parade that day. (laughs) Glory, hallelujah. That's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be because if God is pouring out blessing, maybe that's where he wants you. And we need to be careful about this. Because like sometimes there, there is absolutely unrighteousness that God clearly wants us to stay away from. I've shared this story with Rabbi Peter. There was one time that he, he pulled into a, a strip joint because he wanted to uh, anoint the doors. He just wanted to anoint the doors, doors with, with oil and get the heck out of there. But I couldn't go there. That's a boundary that Adonai has set very, very strongly with me. Those types of boundaries. I can't go there. There are certain things that I won't, I won't go to. I got to shut my eyes when my wife is watching General Hospital. <laughs> right, Peter? <laughs> See, he's more mature than I am. So, yeah, so, so there, are, there are things that Adonai will say, no, don't touch. Don't touch. Don't touch. But I tell you this. I know that there are divine relationships right here between you and others that God has established. So how do we clothe ourselves? How do we inject light into places that are dark? Well, yeah, you can go and help out the homeless or you can, you know, you can do all these things and you can, you know, you can, you know, do something kind of corporately or, or help a ministry or things like that. Good. But I tell you even greater than that, that there are divine relationships that Adonai has said, you're the light in that situation. You're the light in that situation. You know that person? You're the light. You're the light. The light that you have fits right into that little socket. And somebody else's may not, because he calls who he calls for purposes, for times, for such a time. And I know, I know, I know you are where you are. You know there's a certain person. It's your work. It's your family member. It's your kids. It's your parents. I don't know what it is, but there are relationships. A, a relationship, somebody we like, man, this person just doesn't know the Lord. Well, why do you think you're there in the first place? Because the light lives in you. So when out and I pours a blessing, just go hug the person. Okay, I'm ready for the blessing. Okay, I got it. This is the heart of God. To bring the light into places where there is no light. And the great electrician knows right where to put the light bulbs. He knows right where to put it. So you are where you are for a reason to be light to be salt to be him to be Yeshua Yeshua says I am the light of the world and then he goes to his followers you are the light of the world Which is it? I am. That I am. And you may say, well, Rabbi, you're switching the story around, you know, I mean, Esau didn't get the blessing. I mean, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to go to the gay pride parade and you're going to kind of dress up, you know, like that. You know, the the, the blessing didn't come to, to Esau when he did it. Well, you know what? Dig into the story. Because if you look at next week's Torah portion, they were away for 20 years. Something happened to Esau. The last we left him, he hated Jacob's guts. He wanted to kill him. 20 years later, Jacob was so frightened of of encountering him. He's like showering him with gifts. He's he's giving all the servants and all the family members he he hates the most. You go in front. That's what he did. He was chicken. But when it finally came down to him seeing his brother, his fleshly brother, who last we saw him, he wanted Jacob dead. He approaches him and something happened in Esau. God worked in Esau. And Esau hugged and wept on Jacob's neck. And Jacob said, Esau, Seeing your face is seeing the face of God. You see, just before that, he had a wrestling match. He had another wrestling match. He had two wrestling matches. First one was in the womb. Second one was with the angel. The guy should have joined the WWE. He had a lot of experience. But after the wrestling match, and it was daybreak, and the angel just went, all right, it's time for me to go. And Jacob says, I'm not leaving until you bless me. And the guy goes, okay, doink. Hits him in the hip, ah! Off he goes, and he goes, whoa, I survived the last wrestling match with God. So I'm going to call this place Penny L. Face of God. Because I saw God face to face and lived. But then later... When he sees Esau, he says, seeing your face is seeing the face of God. You know, when we put light into people, we don't always see the outcome. Sometimes our job is sort of kind of to put the light bulb in there and and we go. And we're like, oh, I don't know, I don't think it worked. I think the seed went on the bad soil again. That must have been the soil where the, the Satan took it away. Good seed will always find its way to good soil because that seed is Messiah himself and it is incorruptible. And how awesome would that be? The people that you're investing in, the people that you're injecting light into now, imagine seeing them and all of a sudden in 20 years and you see how God has brought them. And you say, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. That, by the way, was the first Jewish salvation experience. So, Father, help us, Adonai, to know when you have put us in a place to be light, to actually almost in a way clothe ourselves in in, in a situation where there is darkness. Help us to know, Adonai, when you're not calling us to that because that's very, very important. But Father, if you have us in a relationship, at a job, wherever it is, Father, help us to shine that light. Help us to not just accept the promise that you gave us that we are the child of the promise. But may the blessing that you've poured out on me May the blessing go to them. Messiah did everything for me. I need no nothing else. Dayenu. What Yeshua did for me is enough. If you're going to bless the child of the promise, bless them. Bless them. And if my presence in that situation is how your light is going to be manifest there, Help me to stop praying against it, Lord. Help me to stop asking you to take me out of the situation. Father, we lift this up to you. Help us, Lord God, to know when and not when. When it's your light in me that is meant to clothe myself, clothe in that situation and when it's the light in someone else Because it's the same light, just a different bulb. Help us to know when the light bulb and the light socket is the right fit. Because it is your heart, Lord. It's your heart to shine where there is no light and for that darkness to be conquered. Thank you, Adonai. In Yeshua's name, amen.